Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Snakes. Zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public, the list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. You're listening to 100 Words or Less with Ray Harkins. Hello, men, women, and children who care about independent music. Thank you for putting this particular episode in your ear holes because we are always down to have conversations with people who care about independent music. And this one, like all of the other previous ones, is a special conversation because I'm giving you two chats for the price of one. These are live conversations that I recorded at the beautiful Outbreak Festival located in Manchester, United Kingdom. I did this in June of 2022. For those of you that are listening to this in the you know 2040s or whatever time state that you're in, but I had both Brendan from Incendiary and Jimmy from Higher Power. If you want to do the full formal names, let's <clears throat> let me try this out. So we have Brendan Garone from Incendiary and Jimmy Wizard from Higher Power. That was me putting on like my radio professional voice or whatever. But uh, I was able to have these conversations in front of a live studio audience, was able to, um, yeah, just have fun with these because it was honestly the first time that I had ever done anything like this before. And for those of you that follow the show on a week-to-week basis, you've heard some of these live conversations that I've been slowly rolling out over the past couple of weeks. But uh, this one was really fun. I'll give you a little note. There's, <laughs> at one point in my discussion with Brendan, a member of the audience uh, was was raising his hand because he wanted to ask questions, and uh, he was very excited about doing that. And so uh, there, I, I did my best to edit around that in order to retain the clarity of the conversation. But um, you know, it was it, it was a little bit difficult at one point. So if you hear something and you're kind of like, what it, what is really happening? That's what's happening. And honestly, it was a pretty funny instance because, uh, yeah, the, the attendee of the talks was uh, just excited. <laughs> he wanted to uh, participate in the conversation. But uh, it wasn't an open Q&A, so that's what made it a little bit awkward. But, you know, I digress. It was uh, That was the only thing that I wanted to, from a programming note perspective. And uh, my discussion with Jimmy uh, from Higher Power was awesome as well. He is a really interesting dude, has done a lot of different things within his life, ultimately in the pursuit of art. And now he's a professional tattoo artist. And Higher Power's obviously done a lot of cool stuff within the context of the hardcore scene. So yeah, that's what we got. Let's get some business pleasantries. I wouldn't say out of the way because these are all important parts of the show, but you can always interact with the show at 100wordspodcast at gmail.com. You can email me. You can obviously follow on the socials. I know these are things that are like obvious, but you know, maybe this is your first time listening to this ep- this show or this episode. Or maybe you know, you're listening to these episodes time and time again, and you're like, Ray, I already know. Which, if you're listening to these episodes more than once, like God bless your soul. But anyways, email the show, 100wordspodcast at gmail.com. Interact on the socials. You can follow on Instagram at 100wordspodcast. 
But uh, you can also leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or just follow along on Spotify. You can also leave a star review or star rating on Spotify. All these things help. You hear it on every single podcast. And there's a reason why people do that. So I am no better than that. <laughs> you can also check out the show notes because I, I leave some valuable links in there in regards to, uh, you know, people have asked me about the theme song for this particular show. People have asked me about, um, you know, just other ways that they can find out more info. Always look in the show notes. That's like, you know, anytime you pass by a statue, always look at the sign first, and then you'll be able to better understand what's happening around you. So do that. And then uh, I've been publishing some of these episodes on YouTube as well. So you can follow on YouTube if your preferred mechanism for listening to podcasts is watching a static image. But anyways, that's that's how some people like to pr- pursue and uh, listen to these podcasts. But anyways, let's dive into this conversation with Brendan from Incendiary and Jimmy from Higher Power. We'll tackle Brendan first, and then I'll have a little pause, and then we'll dive into the conversation with Jimmy. So here we go, live at Outbreak Festival in 2022. But uh, anyways, I'm very excited to bring you this hangout slash chat with my friend Brendan from Incendiary. Give it up for Brendan. Yo, what's up, everybody? This is very it, nice. It would be funny if I just stood up like this the whole time. <laughs> I feel like I'm in trouble. Yeah, exactly. I'm just talking down to you the whole time. <laughs> um, well, you're... I know this maybe sounds like I'm trying to pander to you. The set was unbelievable. It was, uh, it was a, 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 uh, a legendary set for us. Yeah. It, and it, the culmination of a lot of times playing here, being here. Right. It felt wonderful. Right. It was wonderful. There was a yeah. lot of people watching you. Yes, there was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you were aware of that. Well, we were saying, like, I wasn't... We've done Outbreak before, but I, I didn't totally grasp the other level that they kind of brought it to. So, like, when we showed up, I was like, oh, like, all right. Oh, so this is what it's... We're not playing in Sheffield anymore at, like, a, 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 hall, a VFW hall or whatever. So, yeah, it's... It's yeah. come a long way, for it sure. Is, it is. Yeah. And that's, uh, and I think that, I mean, that's a testimony to obviously how popular hardcore and punk has gotten in this general area, yep. but then also the fact that it's like, you got to do something like this for 10 years to get to a spot where you can have a live podcast stage. <laughs> yeah, I think the difference is like, nowadays, things are much more welcoming from a diversity of genre perspective, where like, you know... 10, 15 years ago, like, you you couldn't do this because it would just, like, blow people's minds from, like, a, wow, like, hardcore bands and bands that aren't playing hardcore or hardcore adjacent or whatever. But now, I think we're in, like, it's very much like a post-genre world, and everyone is very accepting of things because you remember how it used to be. It was, like, not only just hardcore, like, you know, sub-genres of hardcore were very militant about that, and that's the biggest change, I think, that... It w- used to be like that really early, sort of before my time, and then it got very, very genrefied. And then I feel like we're coming out of that now, where people are like, "I don't give a shit. We just I like everything, and it's not you're not judged or looked down upon it." And shows that wouldn't make sense yeah. previously are now like totally fine. Yeah, you know. Well, it's like a, it's a pendulum effect where it's like you know whatever. The Get Up Kids and Spaz would play together yeah. in the late 90s. That's what I mean, right? And then that stopped. Yes. And then it's like coming back again, which is the best part of shows nowadays, right? Because, totally. Yeah. You can have, like, there is, it's a very strange idea where it's like, oh yeah, you can have a punk band play with a heavy New York City hardcore band. Yeah. And everybody, it's like, yeah, I like both of those bands. That's what, that's what Long Island was like. It, it was always that diversity and mix and like, the Long Island hardcore moniker was, like, very widespread. It was basically just, like... I mean, Brand New was a Long Island hardcore band. Uh, Taking Back Sunday was Long Island hardcore. Like, yeah. that's kind of what it was. You know right, what I mean? Yeah. So I was looking back, and it didn't feel like that long ago we were hanging out in your... I was going to ask you the same question. Yes. I want to know. I don't know the year it was. I, I had to look up the year. So we previously did a podcast together in 2015... 
20 No way, really? Oh my that God. is seven years ago. Yeah. I sat in his living room and he invited me into his house That's and right. I punished him about how much I liked his band. <laughs> I forgot and about that. It was in person, wasn't it? It was in yeah, person. Yeah, yeah. Yes, you invited me. And yep. uh, yeah, it was great. But you were at that time, Incendiary was kind of turning into what I affectionately call a fest band where you guys are very deliberate about the shows that you play. You don't tour actively. Like, you, you make yourself yep. known, but not to the point where you're touring 200 days out of the year. And now you are firmly in that, in my opinion. I am guessing that that is just, I guess, easy for you guys? Or is it still kind of a bummer when a large tour comes knocking on your door where it's like, hey, do you guys want to do this two-month tour? And you're like, no, we never have. So we can't. I think we're largely dead inside from that now and we're kind of like post being sad about that I, I think we the, the thing about that whole thing is that while we certainly pass up opportunities we can do tons of things that don't make sense financially so we can festivals are one thing and they're great but we can go play club shows we can go play two club shows in Texas and lose money and be extremely psyched about it because we want to go to Texas. And so we just try to maximize our reach at, at all costs. That's what it's about. It's we want to play as much as possible everywhere we can. And so it's just a little bit different, but it's been how it is. And Right. You know, it's been that way for so long that you don't need yeah. to worry about it anymore. Yeah. You're not looking at the opportunities you've passed up. You're just like, oh, yeah, we can do this now. We can go to the UK. We, we are in a a happy-to-be-here I just like playing hardcore shows, and I I am personally turned off by what it means to be in a, a, a what you have to do to be in a successful touring band now, and I'm just not really interested in the like social media angle of it, where I have to be like, hey guys, Brendan here from Incendiary, we got a tour. Like I just I don't want to do that. I don't. I'm not interested in that. that so that, that made me vomit in my mouth. We saying we that. we quite literally just want to play hardcore shows, and that's the only thing we care about doing. And that that there is no end game. It's a very liberating thing. We're not trying to get on a an under oath tour or something. Like there's no there's no plan. Nothing wrong with them, right? We just we want to just play hardcore shows. Right. If they that's ask it. you, you'll say yes if it makes sense. We would say no. Right. Because it'd be like, oh, how long is it? Two months? Nope. Yeah. Yep. Sorry. One yeah, show? No. We got it. Sure. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, 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 um, we are, it's truly like for the love of the game. I, we just want to play. We've played the UK so many times and it's just been like a really cool experience. Yeah. It really has. Yeah. Yeah. And this is not to blow smoke up your butt, but you're, you guys are really good live where, there are bands, and I'm sure many of us have attended festivals in the past, where bands are just coming over for one show. It's really special. It's cool. But honestly, they're not that good. It's like, eh, they kind of phoned it in. Like, maybe, did they practice before they went on stage? <laughs> and you guys, like, you, you don't do that. Like, you're really, like, you, well, I mean. Because, you, because we're on a, a little bit more limit of a, of a schedule, right? Like. We, we want to leave it all in the field, so to speak. So every show that we play is very focused, very curated. You'll notice that the headline shows that we do in the U.S. and elsewhere, like we will only do a show if we have a say on the lineup of every band playing. And it's just, it's a, it's a big focus of ours. So it's hard, you don't, we don't phone anything in because there's not enough shows to phone in. Every single show is just what we want to do. It could so. be your last show. Yeah, I mean, I don't think so. But no, I know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Sorry, I wasn't trying to bury you. The, but do you, like, do you practice a lot? Like, in the sense of when you're leading up to a show, are you guys rehearsing, like, three or four times before you go? Or are you yeah, guys? Okay. yeah. Everything is very just organized, very type A, very me. Right, so like if we have a show, everything will be planned perfectly for said show. Yep. If we book a lineup, we're gonna have the lineup sorted out. If we're gonna do a record, we're gonna do that. If we're gonna write songs, we don't fucking jam. We don't hang out and vibe where everything has a purpose because the enemy of incendiary is time, and yep. so everything that we do is 
fully organized and we know exactly what we want to do. And we're just lucky that we have, I have other people in the band who are just precisely on my page. Right, like everybody is showing up for a reason. Everyone is, is all in and knows exactly what they want out of the band and knows exactly what they want, need to put into the band. And everyone has made it a priority, and it continues to work. So that's right. the only reason, right? Yeah, I mean, that's like, the only reason the band exists now. One hundred percent. But yeah. it gets obviously it gets more and more difficult. But you have people who, you always have a band who the one guy is going to go to college, and this guy got a job, and this guy has a girlfriend, and blah blah. We've just been able to like navigate around that, basically. Right. <laughs> and kind of kind of on that topic, the fact that you have had you've been very active you've done all these tour opportunities flyouts what have you you undoubtedly have a worst travel story where something terrible happened where your equipment was lost when i say that what travel experience comes to your mind the most we've had a lot the most recent one was we were going to play with knock loose in chicago and we flew out during this huge hurricane that hit New York, which doesn't happen much. Um, and we were at the airport overnight. Um, we, I made the call at the last minute to fly out the day before, which was not the right idea. <laughs> and I knew it in my gut. I was like, we should fly out the next day. But long story short, we were at the airport the entire time. New York City went to a state of emergency. All the roads were closed. We were stuck at the airport. We were there all night. We finally got back. We slept on the floor of Brian's uh, apartment. And when we left, the crew of Delta was like, why are you guys going to take all of your gear? You should leave your gear at the airport and then just get it the next morning when you fly. And we were like, that sounds great. Great So obviously that didn't work out. So we left. Our flight kept getting delayed and delayed. It got delayed to the next day. Flight got canceled, and then we had to go drive to the airport, <laughs> hat in hand, and get all of our shit back. So we missed the show completely, which was it was it was it sucked. It was just soul soul crushing. Basically, right? You're just like there, we can literally control none of this. Yeah, and we're not going to get to the show. Yeah, there was that. There was we went to play, uh, you know, Sound of Revolution Festival in the Netherlands, and we had shit. So. We, played, we were in the Netherlands for probably like 17 hours, flew in, played the show, right back. So we've had a lot of, you know, yeah, it's fine. In and out. It makes you stronger. Right, it does make you stronger. The, um, considering the fact that, like you were talking about, you guys are very divided with your time, you all have full-time jobs, and you all are very active with your own personal lives, I'm sure once your coworkers or other what I like to call civilians yep. find out... It's like, wait, where are you going? You're going to the UK to yell into a microphone? Yeah. How, how do they react to you playing in a hardcore band? Or are people 99 like, people, 99% of people think it's cool. Cool. I don't really talk about it much. Um, yeah. And I also look like a total square nerd, so that helps too. Like, I had to fly under the radar. Um, but no, I think people think it's cool. I think the difference is most people think it's either like, a bar band playing Jimmy Buffett covers um, or that we, you know, we're like in Incubus or something like that. So sure. it's, it's the genre that's obviously the change, but no, everyone's cool about it. Yeah. I, I have no, this is me. I'm, I'm 38 years old. I, I don't have like to worry about, I don't have to worry about anything. This is my, this is who I am and I just own it and it's totally cool. Most people think it's really, really cool. Yeah. So. Especially with the idea, I'm sure that people maybe look up your band after or it's like yeah. oh yeah that guy that plays in the band down the hall all the time yeah and then they're like Are, is that you yelling yeah yeah I just like truly don't give a shit cause I'm like you're a nerd you're not into hardcore I don't care what you think on to the next thing it, it, it doesn't phase me at all maybe when I was younger a little bit yeah. I would be a little bit more just because I know like if hardcore is very black and white right like if you're, you either know about it or you don't and so I would be I would think about ways to describe it, but I, I quite literally don't care right. at all. Yeah, at yeah, all. You don't, you don't have the time to sit down and give a history lesson to your coworker about like... Exactly. Here's minor threat. So there was this band called... <laughs> there was Black Flag, and then it was... Yeah, like, I, I, don't, I don't explain it, no. Yeah, and they would just look at you being like, why are you telling me this? The only thing that's difficult is like you try to find the like frame of reference. The only... Like, 
because it's not like you can even if you're like oh like hate breed they're like I've never heard of that <laughs> so, so like, say like you sound kind of like Metallica yeah like, exactly yeah. yeah exactly so that was actually the one cool thing because everyone almost literally in the world seems to know Metallica so they're playing Hellfest with us in a couple days and even my dad who's 78 years old was like Oh, Metallica. I was like, hey, there you go, right? Hey, hey my son made it. Exactly, exactly, yeah. <laughs> He's not wasting yeah. his time flying all over the place exactly. playing his dumb band. It's very endearing. The, um, I know one of the most difficult things in uh, playing in a band is kind of the recording process. Yeah. And especially when you're talking about recording vocals. Is, is that something that you have enjoyed, like, from the get-go? Or have you always kind of like, oh, recording vocals is hard because I'm yelling into a microphone in a very sterile environment. What's your relationship been with that? I would say it's a nightmare, probably. Okay, nightmare, right. <laughs> I hate it uh, more than almost anything in the world. I'm, I'm also very hard on myself and have a high standard. And I have a particular thing that I'm going for. And so... The last record, well, yeah, we just recorded a new record, and, and that was the best, most seamless, relaxed, not stressful recording experience we've ever had. So it was fine, and we work with Will Putney really, really well and stuff, and so he knows what, we're kind of like locked in, but the actual process is horrible. It's horrible. And I'm just very like, I, I'm very particular about it, so I, I, I want it to be good, and it's hard sometimes. Right, because you're like, listen, I have done this take, but I am, I, it's not good. i got to start over. Yeah, well, one of the things that you learn is if you ever have that ringing in your ears where it's like, eh, this part. I was like, going into this, I was like, every single part, when I listened back, where I was like, you know what, eh. I'm not going to, like, let it go. So every single thing where I was like, I'm re-recording this. I'm re He'd be like, it sounds fine. I'm like, I'm redoing this part. I'm redoing that part. Because what happens with music and why I find it particularly stressful is it's, an, it's a record. It's recorded. It's there forever. And now with fucking Spotify, it's everywhere, right? So it's like, oh, like, I, I, this is going to drive me crazy for the rest of my life, right? Like, so everything needs to be... For me personally, I need to be happy with it. I, you know what I mean? It can't drive me crazy after the fact. Right. Everyone been in a band where you have like, I can't listen to that song. Nope. Yeah, I can't listen to this along. record. I can't listen to that release. I can't listen to whatever, right? Like, you, it drives you crazy because it's not, you're not happy with it. So yep. I've been very like, I don't want to have any misgivings after the fact. Right. And even if those parts that you don't like that end up being on the record are sometimes the ones that get really popular with people where it's like, oh man, I love when your voice cracked there. You're like, I hate it. Yeah. Well, I, that's what it is. You, you write a record completely in isolation. It's not like you have like, it's just me and three other people and you don't know what to expect. You think it's good, maybe. And then you just put it out there in the world and you try to think about what songs might resonate with people. What song... We've had so many things where I'm like, this song's great, and people don't give a shit. And then we have other songs where like, oh, we wrote this, you know, the day before we were going into the studio, and people really like it. It just, it becomes, it takes on a life of its own, and then it's just out there. Totally. And it's very, it's, it is cool to see what, how people react to it. Right. It's just a very interesting thing, because you put something out there, and then you're like, let not, me let me know, world. You know what I mean. Yeah, so not mine anymore. And it's not like we have a. Obviously, we're not on a major label, so there's no like feedback coming during the. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. During the process, you put out everything completely in a total vacuum, and then you're like, hope hope it's good. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, people don't hate this one. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully, the bottom doesn't fall out. And we never <laughs> get invited to play a show again. No, this one's good. It yeah, is this good. One's good. Con- confirmed. Yeah. The uh, the last thing I want to hit on was the um, when you start to get into punk and hardcore and the more independent minded stuff, you latch on to a label or you latch on to you know uh, a band on a particular label. Yeah. What were sort of the foundation pieces, either from a label or a band perspective, that kind of got you farther down the rabbit hole to obviously want to play in a band? I got into hardcore music. I mean, I liked all kinds of stuff before hardcore and punk. You know, so you have the, like, my age with, like, 
of course, Pennywise and all that stuff, right? The skate culture. Yep. But for hardcore specifically, I was very involved in the local scene. So the hardcore bands that I were into first were local bands. It wasn't like big bands. But the, the band that changed it for me was Strife, your, of your own ilk. Oh, yes. <laughs> so once I heard Strife, I was, um, I was, that was my thing. I have a funny Strife story, which is I bought a Strife shirt before I had ever heard the band in my life. The like design. true poser. I think I was in like eighth grade. It was probably like 1998 or something. I don't know. And it was the sick Southern California straight edge shirt. And I was like, I'm getting that. And then I was rocking it at school. I was like, I should probably listen to this band. I've never, never even heard them. Um, and then it was like, yeah, it was kind of from there. So that they were, they were the first non-local hardcore band that I got into. Right. What, what about what about like you're talking about the local band doesn't ha- need to have any national notoriety. Who did you latch on to from a local perspective? The two local bands that are not popular were Subterfuge from my town, Subterfuge and the Backup Plan. That that kind of like changed my oh, oh fuck yeah. yeah all right. So that that was like my shit. And then we where when I grew up it was the tail end of the Silent Majority fucking legendary career, right? So they they had their last show in 2000. I got into hardcore probably like 1998 or something like that. So it was kind of coming down from that. Yep. So it was a more like melodic style of hardcore that was popular at the time in Long Island. And then I, I, then I like discovered VOD and was like, oh, all right, this yeah. is the best band in the world. Like, so I got really into that and Silent Majority and stuff. So I kind of like, I kind of got back into a lot of that stuff as I learned like more about the scene and stuff like that. Right. So Yeah, especially the bands that... You know, it's like once you have movie life and all those other ones, you're like, yeah. why did they sound like what they did? Exactly. Oh, that's why. There's, it's that, and there's also just like, there's no, there was no internet. So you don't, you don't, you have, you're just a complete ignorant. You have no idea. I always talk about the Silent Majority show. I was going to shows. I just didn't know about it. <laughs> it's not like I had this like plugged in network of things on the internet or... I didn't really have many friends into hardcore, like one dude basically. So, I I, I just didn't know about the show, yeah. and people were like, "Oh, was that before your time?" And I was like, "Actually, not really. I just I didn't know it happened. I was at home doing homework or something." Yeah, you, I was playing. Nintendo. You just you were very ignorant, and there's like a beauty to that where you just find things serendipitously at the record store, and it just I know a lot of people. This is very much like a trope of older people, but. There really is that. You just, you're going through life and you're like, oh, I saw this flyer. I'm going to go to this show and seeing bands that you've never seen before and stuff. That, that's why it's fun to even still like when we play with bands that I've never seen, like I always try to watch them because it's like, oh, I, I like to not have everything figured out within an inch of its life. I like to be surprised and totally. see a band for the first time, something like that. Right. And you can feel... When something gets introduced to you, like you said, organically, because it doesn't even matter. Like if you see a flyer on Instagram or whatever, it can still be the same thing. One hundred percent. Yeah. Oh wow! Like there's a show down the street. I didn't even know this was happening. Yep. And it's the same idea, but it's just delivered differently than obviously an old flyer. Yeah. Yeah. Try to stay plugged in as much as I can. I guess. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Brendan, thank you very much for hanging out, and thank Thanks, you. Thanks, Ray. My Thanks, pleasure. everybody. Thank nice you to for see hanging you. out, everybody. It's cool. Thanks, Dan. My friends, I get to talk to you about rockabilia.com again because I love them so much and they support this show very deeply. But I love what they do because I don't care what style of music you're into, you will be able to find something that you like, your friends like. You can buy it for your brother or sister, your mom or dad. But first, before I tell you more about it, use the promo code 100 words or less. Just go to rockabilia.com visit the website, put some stuff in your cart, apply that promo code, and boom, you will be saving money. But the important thing to note, it is all officially licensed stuff. That means they have purchased directly from the band or their merchandise company, and the bands see the money. That is the way that this whole thing works. Bands tour to sell you merchandise. And when they are not on tour, they are putting this stuff up in web stores and places that people can purchase merch. You get it. But I just want to make sure that that point is incredibly clear. Rockabilly will ship it to you. Lickety split from the Midwest here in the United States. And like I said, they have everything. If you want to be like, you know what? I want to buy a Drake shirt and I also want to buy Bring Me the Horizon. Boom. They got you covered. So promo code 100 words or less rockabilly.com enjoy 
There we go. That was the discussion with Brendan. And it was very funny because as I uh, met up with him at the festival and was uh, walking him over to the stage, he was like, oh, wait, this is like in front of people. (laughs) It's like, yeah, I thought I'm pretty sure that we talked about that. And he just he was surprised at that. But he's a champ. I genuinely love him as a human being. And we've hung out on multiple occasions. I just I just love him. So it was a fun discussion, as you heard. Jimmy from Higher Power is on now, and uh, I'd never met him. We just existed alongside of each other. I've watched his band play at uh, Chain Reaction here in Southern California before, and uh, it was so cool to watch him in front of a home crowd. Yet a lot of people attended this particular talk, but then also watching his band play was really, really cool. So here is Jimmy Wizard from Higher Power. If you know me at all, you know that merchandise is incredibly important to me. I have so many shirts. That's why I was really excited to trip across this company called EvilGreed.net. What are they? They are a Berlin, Germany-based merchandise company and mail-order solution for bands. They work directly with bands and labels to make sure that their stuff is available online. But on top of that, what makes them really cool is they're they're a tastemaker. (laughs) They have a very highly curated roster knowing that they aren't going to include every band under the sun. They're just going to focus on the bands that they are personally endorsing and love and want to support. I'm just going to give you a little snapshot of some of the bands and labels they work with. They got Blood Incantation, Power Trip, Nails, Sun, and they also work with record labels like Closed Casket Activities, Sergeant House, and they also have really cool stuff with bands like Def Heaven, Chelsea Wolf, Emma Ruth Rundle. You get the point. Once you go to the website, you will be able to see all of the amazing offerings they have and then buy it because I don't care. If you're located in the United States, you might be like, I don't know, that's going to take a while to get to me. It's not. They have great shipping rates and ship times to us here in America. So go to evilgreed.net and use this promo code. This is very important because it gives me the show credit and then it gets you a discount. So promo code 100 words. Write that down, put in your web browser, whatever the case may be, but use that promo code. It gets you 10% off your order and you will then have cool merch shipped directly to your house. So thank you, Evil Greed, and visit evilgreed.net for more info and all of their stores. Well, thank you, Jimmy, for doing this. I know that I'm supposed to say thank you, but you didn't need to do this, but you did. I didn't, I didn't but I love podcasts. I actually listened to it. I listened to the Scott Vogel one. Oh, I love yeah. Scott too. So. The legend, Scott Vogel. Yeah. I, I am proud to say that I was Scott Vogel's first podcast. Damn. That's he, sick. He didn't even know what it was. I came over to his house, and he was just like, are you doing this on video? I was like, no, just talking to you. He's like, about what? I was like... Uh, stuff man just life yeah Yeah, life and he was like yeah it was great but yes well i appreciate it no thank you so i uh i personally i've seen you guys a couple of times but the first time that i saw higher power in southern california was that chain reaction i want to say it was the first time you guys came over 2017 life and death yes i think so yeah Yeah. i got i got myself a sick green long sleeve was very happy about it um i what I love about you guys is that you have this mixture of energy and obviously groove. Yeah. But there is not, like, you're not, and I, I don't mean this as an insult, you're yeah. not serious. No, like, no, like, no, no. I'm never serious, bro. <laughs> look at me. Look at my face. Like, <laughs> you, can't, you can't be serious with a mouth like this. Bro. No, you can't. <laughs> but I, I think that vibe really comes through on your music and was that something I guess you always were trying to, I guess, accomplish in a way where it's like I wanted to really put that vibe out there and hopefully have people understand that? Yeah, like 100%. It just, I don't know. When you play music, you just play when you're not trying to be like contrived or like do something in particular. We're just trying to play music like naturally. I guess it would be different if someone else in the band was a singer, maybe. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Like, it's just I have the microphone most of the time, so like my personality gets to shine through the most because I get to say words to people, you know. So that's and that's true. just me. I I just like being funny. I like entertaining people. I've always done it. So sometimes it's like a coping mechanism for like nerves and stuff, you know. So sure. Yeah, it just naturally what happens if someone gives me a microphone, I'll just try and be a bit funny. Right. Yeah. And I guess because of that too. 
I mean, honestly, when I was telling people that I was going to be speaking to you, everyone was just like, universally, it was like, Jimmy's the best. He's cool. He's great. (laughs) And I think the Vot, like that again shows who you try to be as a person. And I think that welcomes people to your band because they're like, there's no, like you said, there's no contrivance to it. No, I'm, I'm just a huge hippie. I just want to put love and like good times out into the world. You know, that's just... I've always just loved that, you know, so... Right, right. It's just, yeah, it's just... That's what you're going to do. That's why, yeah, I get the opportunity to do it, I'm going to... Right, you know, so going to do gonna, it. Yeah. The, um, normally, because I have not had the pleasure of having you on my official podcast, yeah. where this is the official podcast, <laughs> but the, uh, usually I find out, like, where you were born and raised and everything like that. Were you actually born and raised in London? No, just outside. I grew up in, like, about an hour from London. Okay. In the countryside, middle of nowhere. Okay. It was, it was chill, you know. It was not, not, not the Midlands, right? That's not like the Midlands. Right in between London and the Midlands. Buckinghamshire, oh. if there's anyone Bucket- from Buckinghamshire. There we go. Yeah, that area. Okay. And correct me if I'm wrong, like, because people talk about the Midlands like it's terrible. Oh, it's terrible. Okay. <laughs> I, sorry, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but so's. Buckinghamshire, so you know. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm saying this as an American because I dr- I flew into London, drove yeah. up here, and it was very much like, oh, so there's not much going on here. <laughs> Which it's fine. Most of America doesn't have anything going on, yeah, so yeah. it's fine. Yeah, it's the same everywhere. You got your big cities. Shit happens. Everywhere else, you're just kind of on the outskirts. It's like right. Yeah. yeah, I grew up in like the middle of the countryside there was like nothing going on there you know it was very boring sure yeah. so you i'm guessing you obviously had to make your own fun 100 percent, yeah so what were you doing as a kid were you just because you strike me i may be making a judgment here <laughs> but you strike me as a troublemaker i i was categorized as a troublemaker but i don't think i was that bad <laughs> like i let, did a, let me be the judge tell me yeah. what you were doing jimmy dude I, I did the classic kid shit. We, we, me and my friends, we'd set a lot of things on fire. You go through that phase. All boys do it. Maybe girls do too. Yep. You set some things on fire. You experiment. But I was just into skateboarding. Okay. So uh, that was like the main thing that like got me into everything that I'm into now. I just picked up on skateboarding and it kind of like, you know, you just learn to create. Right. You know, you're like, I have to create. There's no skate park. I have to create something to skate. And then you have to venture a little further. Oh, we can go towns. There's a stair set, you know. It just gets you out. You're on the streets a lot. But, like, you know, I'm not in a ghetto way. Not like, oh, I'm from the streets. You're just outside, you know. And that's where shit happens in the real world, isn't it? So, you know, you accidentally get exposed to what happens out in the streets when you're just skateboarding around all day like you know cool. yeah you're hanging out with your friends and yeah yeah you're bored have... and you set stuff on fire yeah, right? yeah, yeah yeah i totally understand i set army man on fire and yeah. my mom got very mad at me yeah so you just experiment and you're like what happens if i set this on fire and yeah. then you're like okay don't do that again that'll get you <laughs> that'll get you kicked out of school like yep you know a little light arson yeah you know yeah so when how did you get into skateboarding because like being from southern california like skateboarding is embedded in the culture. Yeah. Being where you're from, it's not. But how did you get exposed to it? Oh, I feel like through going, I went on holiday to the south of France when I was real young. Okay. And we stayed on like one of those uh, caravan resort things. I don't know if you have them in America. They, they, they're like a trailer park, but for holidays. Okay. So they're like, yeah. And uh, there was a little skate ramp there. You know, I was, I was real young, maybe like five or six, and there was a dude. He wasn't on a normal skateboard. He was on a snake board where your feet are attached, and you're like, yeah. 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 <laughs> he was on one of them, and I was like, yo, this shit looks sick. He was on like a half pipe, and then I go home, and I, I'm obviously, my dad's into metal, so I was exposed to like Kerrang! and MTV music videos, and I see skateboarding in that. And then I first got my first ever skate VHS in 1998 when I was eight years old. And Which video was that? 411VM magazine. Classic. Tampa um, recap yeah. one. It was sick as fuck. It had Blink-182 and Ramones and Motley Crue on the soundtrack. And that was like it. That was like, this is... Yeah, and I was constantly... Because like before the internet, you couldn't just go on Instagram and look at skateboarding. So I'd be like watching every tv show scanning it for like you know my mum would be watching like 
casualty, and they'll be like, "Oh, there's someone skateboarding." I'd run in just to see a glimpse of skateboarding, you know. So I like how the, your family has the bat signal. Yeah, yeah. For skateboarding. Like, Jimmy, Jimmy, just skateboarding. Like, yeah, 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 it was sick. Yeah, it was real cool. So yeah, and that was it. That was the beginning of everything. Like, okay. I played football before that, like soccer. Soccer, yeah, yeah. And uh, as soon as skateboarding came in the picture, that was it. I was done. It's yeah, done. I was done. Yeah. So you mentioned that your dad was into metal. Yeah. So yeah. he was uh, like a tried and true metalhead. Where he yeah, was, like, like Pantera, to- Metallica, fucking. He was into some mad German speed metal, like Racer X, Ingrid Malmsteen, <gasps> dude. The whole spectrum of new metal, you know, he'd be rocking Disturbed in the car and stuff, like yeah. Slayer. Yeah, it was, it was, I was lucky, you know what I mean? Like, and were you, like, as you were listening to that, I'm sure it was like normal for you yes. because you, didn't ha- you weren't exposed to anything else. No, that was the only, like my mom didn't really listen to music. So like that was my only, I, that's all I knew music was for a long time. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. That was yeah. like your classic rock. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, straight up. Yeah. That's so. amazing. Raining blood, classic rock. It's fine. Yeah. Nursery yeah. <laughs> <she> rhymes. <laughs> totally. Um, and so like you mentioned, you are a hippie. You want to yeah. just bring love to the world. Where where did that kind of come from? Was that more of your mom and dad's influence, or was that just kind of like your own path? Yeah, my my mom my mom's like a nurse. She's like super compassionate. She she's a nurse in a prison for healthcare. Okay. Yeah, she she's just yeah she just wants to help people. I guess that's rubbed off on me. Um, my dad just is he's just the fucking yeah he's just. He's just like a ma- like me, you know. Okay. He just don't give a fuck. He just lives his life, does what he wants to do. He likes he likes to drink. He likes the ladies, you know. He's he's sure. cool, man. Yeah, he's, he's yeah. He's on he's on his own program. Yeah, he's on, he's just out there living, you know. Like <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's cool. It's all and you know that just kind of molded me, you know. Like he's so carefree. He's like just wants to see the world, live and let live. My mom's like a fucking prison nurse, you know, she's trying to help people. She, she's like, I want to help people get out of this system, you know. She's like, everyone, can, everyone deserves a second chance, everyone, right. you know, one of those people, like, so, yeah, it's, it's super lucky to have that. And right. it's just kind of how I perceive the world from there on, you know. Sure, like, sure. It, did, you, uh, did your parents split up? Yeah, yeah, they were split up by the time I was probably like seven or something okay yeah. got it and did you primarily spend most time with your mother or your father kind of split uh yeah kind of split it's it's classic like my mom's always single parents mom's always at work like i was pretty not in a bad way yeah. like i was just left on my own to my own devices a lot it was cool as fuck like totally so yeah. like yeah i just always say i'm lucky dude like it wasn't that bad but i just had a lot of my own space to figure out the world and right yeah, make my own mistakes, so that's cool. When you started to skate, was there an idea that you wanted to try to be, like, a pro skater? Were oh, you like, for sure, dude. <laughs> like, yeah, dude. I was like, try, Tony Hawks came around around that time as well, and I was like, dude, I, I just want to skate, like, every day. That's all, like, you know, I, yeah. I'll make it as a pro, like. Sure. I didn't have the skills at all, dude, <laughs> I, like, not at all. So you, you never got a sponsorship nod? Nah, nah. No. Yeah, I've been at the same level since I was probably, like, eight years old. Like, okay. I, what, <laughs> I can what? do every basic trick okay. and skate. I can hold my own, but I've never, like, got better. But I'm pretty, like, uh, I'm pretty uh, clumsy, is the word. So I, I was never going to make it. I'm not agile enough. Right. Yeah. You, yeah. you saw your limitations and you're yeah. like, I'm never going to be able to do yeah. that. Yeah. And then music comes in the picture. And yeah, dude, it was. Uh, right. So when, I mean, you got introduced to metal at an early age. Yeah. When did the stuff that you started to get into not make sense to like your dad, you know, where you started to get like punk and hardcore where it was like, yeah. oh, what? This is weird, Jimmy. What is this? He never liked pop punk at all or punk. Okay. Um, so like, and then you, when your dad's into something, it's automatically not cool when you're a kid. It sucks. Yeah, absolutely. Even if it's Slayer, it sucks. Yeah, right? yeah. So totally. you're like, I'm like, that's his thing. I'm like actively trying to like something that he doesn't like. You know, when you're a kid, you just automatically rebel. Like, absolutely. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I hate like you know, rancid comes on or some shit, and he's like, this is terrible. This guy's voice sucks. Like. Yeah. And I'm like, I like this. Yeah, you're like, this is really good. Yeah. yeah, and then, yeah, and then that was happening. And then there was like, I had some older friends in school who would take me to local shows, and it just so happened that like the local shows were like all a really big ska punk scene of the like early 2000s, ends of the 90s, like, 
Um, and that was just like a huge thing, you know, like Voodoo Glow Skulls style shit. Like, yeah, wow. And I never was, knew that that hit over here. Yeah, it was like where where I was from, like going to shows in a place called Milton Keynes. That was like the scene, dude. It was, wow. And that just exposed me to so much, like, because I'd go to a show that exposed me to hardcore because I went to a ska punk show and then they had a flyer for a 25 to life show at the same venue. And I see a dude on the flyer. I see Rick to Life on the flyer, all tatted up, and I'm like, "Damn, this looks like it, it's gonna be sick!" Like, yeah, you're like, "Tell me more." Yeah, yeah. I was like, "I'll go to that." It's ta- if I saw people with tattoos and a spiky font, or you know, I was like, "I was there, dude!" Like, right. and it was all the same to me. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I was you like, "You don't know genres. You're just like, yeah. whatever." I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna go, and there's gonna be a mosh pit. Sick." Like, yeah, I'm it's there. gonna be. Yeah, it's yeah. gonna be loud music. Yeah. It's gonna be in a small room, yeah. and they're gonna yell at me. I'm in. I'm in. Yeah, pretty much. So that actually uh, dovetails into my next question of like tattooing. Like, obviously, tattooing is clearly a very big part of your life. I know you do. You're a tattoo artist as yeah. well. So, were you always attracted to tattoos, like from the get go, or would it all of a sudden was like once you saw your favorite bands that had tattoos, you're like, oh, that looks cool. Yeah, I think, like, my dad had one tattoo that he never got finished. Uh, and I was always real curious about it. <laughs> totally. One tattoo. What, what was, like was a, it? It was like a rose. Okay. And it didn't even look like a rose. And he was like, oh, it was 20 quid for the whole thing. But I only had, like, 10 quid. Like. I love how he gets it started. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'll finish it later. Yeah, and he never finished it. He was just, like, just, like, you know, just drunk and trying shit out. And, uh. I was always real curious about it, though. And he'd always go, like... And then my aunt, she was really into punk. Oh, okay. And stuff. She, she was really cool. She got me into loads of cool shit. She had tattoos, and she told me the first time she ever got tattooed, she f- passed out and threw up. And I was like, damn, tattoos must be for, like, insane people, man. Like, yo, this shit is crazy. Like, yeah. Like, and I'm obviously attracted to that shit, so... I was like, yo, this shit sounds so cool, cool. like, just because it's so dangerous. Like, totally. If it, something that will make you pass out and throw up, like... And I gotta do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah I was yeah. like, I have to see what... And my dad, I go, oh, how much does a tattoo hurt? I want one. And he just grabbed me and pinched me as hard as he could, and I'd be like, oh, stop. And he'd be like, nah, you couldn't hack it. You couldn't hack it, like... And I'd be like, I've got to, I've got to get... Do it again, do it again, like, you know, like... Fucking. So he was conditioning you. Yeah, and... You were training. Yeah. So. <laughs> what, what was your, uh, I know this is kind of a cliched question, but what, where, where was your first tattoo? It was in my, in my friend's bedroom. Okay. It's like stick and poke. Yep. It was. Where on your body? Just on my shin. Oh. So I could cover it up from my mom. I could wear socks and stuff. It was an upside down cross. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I think we were going to do like, we were going to originally write punks on ourselves, like P-U-N-X. And then... My friend did an upside down cross, and I was like, dude, that looks sick. I want that. So we did that. And then my mom, you know, I was probably like 14 or something. Yeah. My mom eventually saw it one day. She didn't. She was just like, oh. Yeah, way to go. Nice one. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> did, uh, was the pain as bad as you imagined it to be? Nah, it was like we were sewing needles. It was like this big. Yeah. We were like tapping it in. Like, then I got my first real tattoo when I was, I think I was like 17. Um, it's long gone now, but yeah. And then I was like, "Oh, this is okay. I could, I can sit through this, you know, like right. Wow, like I can right. do this. My pain, my pain tolerance. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, okay. I think I got this. Like, and then that was it. That was it. I was just a, right. Just, you kept going for yeah, more. Yeah, I was dude, like the um, and so obviously being the vocalist of the band, a lot of people want to talk to you. They want time with you and. Yeah. It's flattering, yeah. but and you are an extrovert from what I probably would define yeah, you as. Yeah, yeah. Do you uh, do you have to find yourself like what balance do you have to try to find yourself where it's like okay, especially after you play a show. Yeah, yeah. Do you is that difficult for you? Is that easy for you to kind of be able to shut off and like all right, I gotta go like in the van and chill out for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I just go chill. I actually love being on my own. Like I uh, like I said, because I just grew up in the middle of nowhere. There wasn't many kids around. I just got used to doing my own thing. And I'm, like, so fine with being on my own. I love it. I live on my own. So, like, I do all these things. Like, I, you know, I go on tour. But when I'm not on tour, I just shut off and go on my own. It's, like, I really just love being on my own. It's weird as fuck. Sometimes I'm, like, 
Is there something wrong with me? Like, I can just hang out on my own, dude. Like, you like, like your, yeah, you, yeah. You, you keep your own company. Yeah, like one time Ethan, our bass player, was like, yo, you always do this cool shit. Like, but you never like hit us up to like come with you. Like, like, can you just, can I come next time when you go and do something? And I'm like, yeah, I guess. Like, if I remember. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, I just get so much enjoyment out of like, doing things on my own do you so go like, to movies by yourself yeah oh i love that dude i fucking love going to the movies on my own just like me too dude yeah yeah so do you, do i you don't have- even like films i like can't concentrate just it's you're so on your own in there and it's like yeah it's sick a couple glasses of wine a little film dude dude you're in you're yeah in you're your own world yeah so with with the uh, did you once you started to like go to shows and like you said see 25 to life and everything yeah. Did you immediately want to play in a band or did you like immediately? Oh, straight away. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I have to learn guitar. Like, I was like, I had luckily the, the only four friends I had were, all, were two were brothers. One played guitar, one played drums. They always jammed together. I jumped like, I was like, yo, let me play. And then, you know, they were my friends are hanging out. We got a bass player. So, yeah, I was in bands from like super young, like. I've been doing bands since I was, like, in year six. Oh, wow. And, dude, my first ever band, we supported, like, Gangrene. We supported, like, Sham 69. We were, like, this, like, punk band, dude. We, I mean, yeah, I, I got to do some really cool shit for, as, like, a really young kid. Like, What was the name of that band? Because uh, that sounds amazing. Crick, critical Stage. Critical Stage. Yeah, yeah. I it's love. on Bandcamp. Max from Higher Power <laughs> found the demo and re-released it on his record label, so... Dude. It's out there, dude. Yeah, like, a, I can just imagine fourteen-year-olds like oh, yeah. playing. It's like every song has oi in it. It's, it's like street punk shit, dude. It was fun as fuck, and yeah, I got to do that from a really young age. And you were playing guitar in that. I was playing guitar, yeah, okay. and uh, all my parents were like so supportive of it. They were like, you know, like my dad was hyped on that shit. Like he didn't think our band was very good, probably, but he would drive like, "Oh, you're playing a show! Like I'll drive you!" Like yeah. So yeah, it was super cool. And then the other two guys, their dad played in a band. So yeah, it was just everybody was super, yeah yeah just like I've, yeah I've been playing in bands since I was a little fucking kid and that's cool. Yes. Yeah, so, so what what transitioned into you being a singer? Because like I, I mean. And again, this isn't to make fun of you. Like, yeah. you are not a traditional singer. No, dude. Like, no way. I'm <laughs> so, not a natural at all, dude. Like, fucking... Right. Sometimes I'm like, why am I the singer? Like, <laughs> well, because you got a gold tooth, right? <laughs> yeah. True. But, so, how, how did you make that jump into doing that? Because that's a really... That's a, I mean, even if you're singing for a hardcore band, there takes yeah. a level of talent. I know most people would maybe look at that. You're just yelling. What are you yeah. doing? But, well, that's it. It's just hardcore, like... You, in hardcore, anyone can do anything. It doesn't matter if you're good. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Not all the time, anyway. So you just give everything a go. And then I'd written the Higher Power like demo. And I had, this, I had the vocal ideas. Because I've always loved singing. This is a big thing for me. I'd always love singing, but I'm always too shy to do it. Okay. And I'm tone deaf as fuck. So, <laughs> you know, I kind of tried as a kid in my bedroom. And I was like, nah, I suck at this. Like... Um, and then I just, but I carried on writing songs in the background that had singing parts in. And then eventually I was like, I'm just going to do this. Like, and everyone was like, you should do it. You're like, Pete, everyone likes you. You're funny. Like, so <laughs> you I'm can just, talk into a microphone. Yeah, 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 I, yeah. yeah they were like, you can pull it off. Like, so I just, yeah, I just became the singer by, I ori- originally, I was like, some, I'll sing on the demo and then someone that can really sing will go, dude, let me do this. And it never happened, so... Right. So by default... By default, I'm stuck as a singer, dude. Like, <laughs> like I'm just going to muddle my way through this. Yeah, each dude, record. I'll get I'd a little l- bit better. I'd love to be the guitar player so much, dude. I'm <laughs> well, there's, there's always time. Yeah, you true. just got to find somebody else. So yeah. I guess every record you put out is an open audition for someone to replace yeah. you. I mean, like, I do enjoy the challenge of learning to sing because yep. I love doing things that like, are hard. So, like, I've, it has been a fun journey. Sure. Don't get me wrong. And it's definitely getting a bit easier. But, yeah, I really just... It's something I just wish I'd done as a kid. Like, I'm like, fuck, I should have just done that as a kid. Like, yeah. You know, like, I just didn't have the confidence. And no, then, no, yeah, it's, just, it's hard. I mean, yeah. it, when, you, when you're putting yourself out there, like, you were so self-conscious at that age. Yeah. 
you're just constantly you're like, do I look cool? Yeah, yeah. Is this, am I okay? And then there's always a friend that can do it better than you, and you're like, they can do it. Totally. I know they're cooler than me. Like, fuck it. Like, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, I'll just play guitar over here. I'm yeah. fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, where when you guys started to you know play more shows, higher power specifically, yeah, and obviously started to tour the states and then side with Roadrunner and like have all of these sort of because you know you guys worked with Flatspot initially, yeah. And there was a lot of attention paid to you relatively quickly. Like, oh, so quick, dude, yes. Was that, I guess, overwhelming for you to kind of be like, what the hell am I doing with this band? <laughs> like, was it hard for you? Yeah, I don't have a life. I don't have a life plan. Like, I don't have a plan for anything that I do. It kind of taught me to start being more aware of, like, what I need to do to get to where I need to go. But, yeah, it was never like, I don't know, maybe like subconsciously, though. You know, I, I always hoped I could be in a full-time touring band from, from being a kid. Like, right. all I've ever wanted to do is play in a band and tour the world. So, like, I obviously do stuff to help me get there, which is just playing music in general. But Higher Power seems to be the one that, that, that clicked with sure. more people than the har- just the hardcore friends around us, you know. Totally. Because you can... In hardcore, we're lucky. In Leeds, especially, like, it's a built-in show you know like right. you you can start a band and all your friends are gonna 40 people are gonna show up regardless like do you know what i mean so like I, and every band i've done has been so lucky to be embraced by all our friends higher power was the first one that i think people took notice of outside of like our friendship group right so well, especially i'm sure you had that feeling where you were at a show you're playing a show and someone was singing the vocals back, like yeah. someone, and you're just like, I don't know you. Yeah. How do you know the lyrics? Yeah. I'm like, damn. I'm you're like, not my friend. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you will be now. Yeah, but. yeah. That was it. I was like, yeah, damn. There's so many people I've never seen before. Like, okay, right. they can't be here for us. They must be here for this. And then we play, and everyone's moshing, and I'm like, oh, okay. Like, yeah. Damn. Fuck. You're like, you you must have made a mistake. <laughs> yeah. Well, these guys fucking show up. Yeah. The, um, I know everybody that has ever spoken to you from an interview perspective is like, oh, Jimmy Wizard. Yeah. Like, Wizard's not your real last name. It is. I know. <laughs> and so do you basically just like constantly give your ID? You're like, yes. Yeah, I got it right now. I, no, I believe, I believe you because I know everybody has asked you that question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so funny. The fake part of my name is Jimmy. Right. Because I'm fucking James. You know what I mean? Like, uh, totally. People are like, James Wizard is, yeah. that's your stage name. Yeah. Or that's that your one. tattoo name. Fucking James doesn't sound very <laughs> punk, does it? Dude? Like, no. Jimmy sounds way harder. Yeah. yeah so. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. It's, it's a constant, constant conversation in my life. But, right. Dude, I'm hyped. Like, I, I don't know. I just feel it's cool. Like, it's very powerful. Yeah. It just adds to this like weird, weird life I've been lucky to have, dude. Like, I agree. I mean, yeah. it, immediately makes people be like, this guy's probably got a story. Yeah. His last name's Wizard. Yeah, dude. Like, and my family is kind of weird in this, like, so it's kind of like, all makes sense. I'm like, you know, when you, when I, now I'm older, I'm like, everything must happen for a reason. Like, <laughs> sure. you know, like, fuck it. You know, I used to be like, kind of embarrassed about it and be like, yeah, especially yeah. when Harry Potter came around, but. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, now I'm older, I'm like, damn, that's, that's pretty sick. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Fuck, I dude. Can, yeah, I can cast a spell on you, yeah, no big deal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, kind of on that same topic, the idea that I know when I have worn your T-shirt out in the general public, yeah. people are like, oh, is that a Christian shirt? <laughs> is that a, is that a Christian? And I'm like, no, it's a hardcore band. Like, I'm like, yeah. I can't have time to explain to you. Most people must assume, like, that don't know what's up with this whole thing. They're like, oh, so you're, like, you're in a Christian rock band. I yeah. mean, they wouldn't look at you, like, clearly. No, and sometimes we tell people we are just because it's easier. You know, you're in Waffle House <laughs> in fucking, like, Alabama, and someone's like, oh, what's your band? Oh, High Power. High Power? Oh, you, you're Christian? Like, yeah, yeah, come say grace with us, and we'll get the waitress. They'll come say grace. Like, just... We'll just, just lean into yeah, it. At, at this point this deep into the band we're just like yeah let's just like have right. some fun with it like, yeah. totally I, I just I, I'm glad that yeah. that was not just me randomly no, getting no, that yeah. like you guys have you really said grace with a waitress oh yeah <laughs> so many times dude <laughs> so, so not, more than once yeah yeah we'll fully go in dude we'll like hold hands like 
That's just like you should probably take photos of that and yeah. include it in your next record. Like, yeah, there, there is probably some photos of it oh, somewhere, dude. Like it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. So when um, you, you were a tattoo artist, and yeah. how long have you been, I guess, professionally, quote unquote, doing it? Uh, probably since like 2015. Okay. Yeah. And do most, I mean, now that you obviously have notoriety as a human in a hardcore band and yeah. then also as a tattoo artist, like, do you, do you find people come to you for one or the other where it's like, oh, I want a tattoo from you because you're Jimmy from Higher Power? Or- every night, yeah, probably like one, like one in every 100 people is like, oh, I want to, ha- from you, you're, from-. you know, like there's a lot of people that know my band and they get tattooed. Sure. But there's also people that like, don't have any idea that Jimmy from Higher Power and Jimmy that's Hats is the same person. Like, my friend literally hit me up the other day being like, yo, I've just blown my friend's mind. Like, he didn't know that Jimmy Wizard, who he follows on Instagram for Tats, is Jimmy from Higher Power, and we play Higher Power in our shop all the time. And I'm like, that's so funny. You're like, that's great. I'm like, it's like you're Superman. You're Clark Kent. Like, you know, these secret identities. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. And it's like, I'm just really like, shy on like self-promotion i could definitely like ham it up a bit on instagram and sure you know like use the two worlds together but i'm just bad at that i just suck at the internet and like (laughs) self-promotion you know so i just uh they don't really like cross over too much they they're starting to definitely but like i said i think it's because i don't like try and interact the two too much just because, like I said, I don't know. I just don't really enjoy posting about myself too much. Yeah, the that, self-promotion, right. Yeah. You're like, I have to do it, but I'll do it very yeah. carefully. I'm just shy. I'm yeah. Just shy. <laughs> Somehow I don't believe that, but I understand. <laughs> uh, the last thing I want to ask you where you've toured considerably uh, and you've done, obviously, Europe, UK, clearly, the States. Yeah. There's probably some tour hacks that you have learned over time to make yourself more comfortable, whether or not... <laughs> your other bandmates hate that you do these things, whatever. But there's probably a few things where you're like, okay, I do this in order to make my life a little bit easier. Yeah. um, Always bring a pillow and a sleeping bag. Crucial. Like, crucial. Like, just give up on trying to be clean and, like, look good. Just take minimal stuff. Just, like, who gives a fuck you're on tour? Like, I once wore the same trousers for a whole six-week tour because I was like... Dude, if I take these off, I have to not lose these and put another pair of trousers on and then keep hold of all my shit. Just, just, be, just get used to being a piece of shit. Totally. Do you know what I mean? Get, try and, yeah, get used to sleeping on the floor. Um, condition, you, you just get conditioned to it over time. <laughs> just like, right. yeah. I am going to be a human trash bag and that's yeah, okay. Yeah, that's it. Just be okay with it. You're not going to sleep. You're going to play like shit most of the time because you haven't slept. Especially if you're a singer, you're just going to lose your voice straight away. Right. If you want to enjoy any moment on tour and talk to another human after your set. So, yeah, just be okay with looking like shit and sounding like shit. And right. And then come check out Higher Power on tour. Yeah. <laughs> well, Jimmy, thank you very much. Everybody give it up for Jimmy from Higher Power. Thank you for hanging out with me. I appreciate it. There you have it. Two conversations for the price of one. Well, technically, you didn't pay for anything. The way that you supported the show is by one, downloading it, and two, patronizing the ads that you hear in the podcast. If you hear me speaking about a product, you can support it because you know full well that I have said, yes, I want these ads. These are cool. So anyways, just had to put a little public service announcement in there. But uh, thank you to all the people involved in helping record these conversations. Thank you to Simone, who recorded this for me. And uh, thank you to all of the team at Outbreak Fest for making it such an amazing experience. I love being able to revisit these conversations because uh, I just had such a good time. So it was very, very fun. Next week on the show, like I always do, like to keep things very diverse and all over the place from a music perspective. As long as you are attached to this beautiful scene called independent music, I want to talk to you. And I have Steven Christensen from Anne Berlin. I love Anne Berlin. <laughs> I think they're a great band. The only reason I laugh is because some people may not be paying attention to them anymore, but they are alive and kicking, just recently released a new EP on Equal Vision, and uh, I love what the band does. And so when the opportunity came up to uh, speak to Steven, I was like, yeah, let's do that, because I know he comes from the punk and hardcore scene, so let's go. Let's have fun. So that's what we got next week. 
Until then, please be safe, everybody. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Trust me in saying that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all of the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Check the backseat. Check the backseat. Check the backseat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the backseat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.